And welcome, everybody, to the Regression of the Mean podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran. It is episode 48 and part three of the end of season award show. And always joined by my co-host extraordinaire, who was deeply offended when I called him Carson Daly on our last episode. Keegan, not Carson. Carson, Keegan, it could kind of work. Carson Thompson, Keegan Daly. Keegan Daly, I like that. Keegan Daly, how are we doing today, man? Uh, we're doing great today, Sean. I'm ready to talk some ball, talk about some running backs. And uh, yeah, how are you doing? I am doing pretty good. I, I can't lie. It's, it's been a little interesting without having football in my life. Last uh, last Sunday was a little bleak watching the NBA All Star Game. I'm I'm not gonna lie, yeah, I didn't brutal. watch I didn't watch the XFL. So uh, I've got that going for me right now. If if I start watching the XFL, I'd feel pretty uh, concerned. I'd feel pretty yeah. concerned about my uh, long term mental health and and well. I was already pretty concerned when I chose willingly to watch the NBA All Star Game. That was kind of a new low for me in terms of sports spectating, but. It is what it is. It was so bad. I snuck out to the garage and recorded a TikTok. I was that yep. bored. I was I was in the garage while my girlfriend's family was watching the NBA All Star Game, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna pop out and do some work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some work for my for my second job. Yeah, do do some work. On a side note, whenever I refer to prepping for the podcast or doing tweets or doing TikToks and call it work, Hannah's like, it's not work, and I'm like, come on, someday. Someday Passion it's work projects. to our listeners. Yep. It's exactly. work for our listeners. <laughs> but but I'm good. I I did not get to watch Ben DiNucci throw a uh, touchdown to Josh Gordon live. Now that would have been pretty cool for the Seattle Sea Dragons. That was a real sentence. That that was yeah. those were real. Oh, and Paxton Lynch got benched again in another league. <laughs> the more things change, the more they stay the same. Exactly. Wow, these tall, gangly motherfuckers. I don't know. Shots fired at tall people. I'm just jealous. I'm, and I'm, now I'm, was talking XFL. Yeah, I was talking XFL. It's a new segment. I don't think we'll we'll bring it out very often. Actually, no. We're gonna flip all to XFL content. That's what we're gonna yep. do here. Um, before diving into part three of the awards show, which is all gonna be about running backs, we have already done quarterback and wide receiver. If you hadn't had a chance to listen, pop in. Episode 47 was wide receiver. Episode 44 was quarterback. So we're going to follow a very similar format and we'll dive in. But before diving in, this episode is brought to you by us, the Regression to the Mean podcast. If you haven't given us a follow yet or a subscribe on Spotify, on Apple, please do so. Give us a pause real quick. Write us a review. Or maybe you can multitask. I believe in you. If you haven't had a chance to give us a follow on Twitter yet, please do. At RTM Fantasy, at Sean W. Moran, at Keegan Thompson underscore, right, Keegan? Correct, correct. Okay. Well done. Okay. Keegan's wearing An a beanie. He's so edgy. It's just throwing me off, this this beanie. And uh, and our follow us on TikTok at RTM Exciting Fantasy. Exciting news. Yep. Yeah, we're pumping out TikTok content now. So we're taking some clips from the pod recordings. You know, we're talking general football stuff. Sean's been getting us going on TikTok. Um, come, come follow us on our journey. Argue with us in the comments. As you can see, if you already follow us, it's going to be a lot of the content from our podcast. It's going to be some green screen videos from Keegan and I. Uh, Keegan and I might do a new dance to that new Ice Spice song. Because uh, I, I now know who Ice Spice is because I'm on TikTok. Things, things uh, Yeah, that boy's song a kind of goes hard there. Uh, but she's like... Liar what's her talking about back shots, but thinking about she's getting cheated on. I, I don't know. They, I watched the music video for that and I'm like, they, they're like 15 years old, like 15. It's catchy though. It's like a lullaby, but uh, I, I digress. That's enough. I spice talk. If you're looking for more, I spice talk, go listen to Ronick's podcast, the B team. They'll, they'll be uh, breaking down. I spice content on a, all on things. I spice on yep. that, on that vehicle. Okay. Keegan. So we are talking all things running backs, I know we had to do it. We had to talk about it. It's it's the boomer's favorite position. Following our format from last episode, how we're going to break things down. 
we're going to go ahead and give the top 24 running backs in terms of ADP, so how people were ranked at the beginning of the season, and then we're going to break it down to how they actually finished and obviously compare the differences, see if any trends emerged, etc. And then afterwards, we're going to give out some of our awards. So if you've already followed our award shows, you understand the format. Uh, very specific stuff. We we mail this into the Fantasy Council. High high <laughs> criteria. It's it's very by the book awards. Everyone's doing it exactly this way. So um, we've we've got some good ones to unveil, and along with some of our favorite classics. So Keegan, when we're looking at running backs in 2022, before we give out the numbers, thirty thousand foot view. What does your gut tell you about how things shook out? When you look at the running back position. It is, I think, important to know that you are probably going to be disappointed in the return you get on the top 24 running backs. 30,000-foot view, just looking at the sheet we've got here, there are very few running backs who hit on their ADB in the, ADP in the top 24. ADB? There's only, a, a, sorry. ADB. <laughs> There's only nine of the top 24 uh, running backs drafted that finished at or above their draft position um, at the end of the year. So I think it's a very volatile position just looking at it from kind of bird's eye view. And it's really, really hard to predict injury. Um, we've got five guys in this top 24 that had a dramatic portion of their season cut to injury too. So super volatile, really hard to protect, predict. And it's really hard to get your return on investment in terms of draft capital in these guys. Wow. Just seeing how these things shook out, it is pretty drastic to, to see it in action. The The trend we're seeing here is if you took somebody at the very beginning of the draft, you did pretty well. But if you just waited to take a running back at the end of the second round because you took a high-end re receiver in the first round, kind of shook out pretty well for you. It's a hard position to predict. You probably feel really good about like six guys, and then you know just one to three dudes in the back end of of the top 24 are just going to pop. And then there are always those lottery tickets at the end. It didn't really see anything that crazy when you're looking at the numbers. I think what's pretty clear is that going into next season, we're not going to be in the business of try trying to predict injuries. You're just going to fail. You have guys like Christian McCaffrey, who's injury prone for two years, play pretty much every single snap. And you have a guy like Jonathan Taylor who went number one overall in most circles because he was a safer bet than CMC, missed his first game in his career this year and just basically have a lost season. Mm -hmm. So Javante Williams, second-year guy. Brees Hall, first-year guy, tear their ACLs. You can't predict this. Anyone can get hurt. Sure, if you have like a higher predisposition to getting banged up, you could see more nicks and bruises throughout the season. But if you're in the business of just trying to avoid injuries, I don't think you're going to win fantasy leagues. Case in point, Saquon Barkley. Like, think of how it shook out for him. You don't want to draft him because of his injury history. You got him for the cheapest ADP you're going to get him in two, three years, and he absolutely yeah. smashes. So, I don't you know. You also man. don't know who's going to lose their job or have to compete, you know, midway through season, four snaps, like, I feel like running backs are so hard to predict. I mean, there's a couple of guys in this list that, you know, somebody like Zeke who gets drafted in the top 24 and, you know, we all know how that goes with Tony Pollard ending the season the way he did and how he emerges. Um, there's just some people on this list that had kind of lost their jobs, weird situations. Cam Akers had a weird year, uh, both with kind of like not injury, but just weird vibes around his team. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is another one who's like partially injured also has a massive committee where he doesn't really get used but he was the 24th court like running back taken in terms of ADP it's just really hard to predict I feel like with running backs you just got to go with your gut and hope for the best it's a crapshoot like you're gonna bank on on workload at the front end of the draft obviously talent's important young rookies are, are great but next year is going to be a clusterfuck for running backs you have Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, dude, Tony Pollard's a free agent. Like all these big names to an extent of free agents, they probably don't move teams, but they very well could. And then you've got the most loaded running back class in years coming into the league. So I feel like running back by committee is going to become even more of a big deal as we get deeper into this. I just... 
teams are going to have two or three good running backs. And you're going to see situations like the Dallas Cowboys where Tony Pollard is the upside play, but Ezekiel Elliott's a totally fine running back two, running back three. But it's Mm -hmm. really tough to predict this. I think you nailed it. It's like Leonard Fournette still finishes with a good season, but Rashad White emerges and he's playable too just because of the passing volume in that offense. It's it's just sucks. I really don't (laughs) like the position. Wide receiver is so cool because these guys are just so awesome. They're just such big components now of NFL offenses. They're getting paid way more than running backs are. But a bell cow running back is hard to beat, man. Like Josh Jacobs was the league winner of league winners. If you ran into Josh Jacobs, some guy got him in the sixth, seventh round. Josh Jacobs with like Austin Eckler, like Josh Jacobs with CMC, like people had those stacks. They had those combinations and you were just like checkmate, like have fun beating me. I'm walking into each matchup with you and your hero RB strategy, which is like me and Saquon Barkley. But like Rashad White, you know, because I'm just like, yeah. hey, you know what? I'm just going to try and make this happen. But it's like, <laughs> that's why if you if you can nail that back end running back and you go hero RB to start things, which is like draft a stud, it, you're going to be tough to beat. But good luck. For every Ramondre Stevenson, there's uh, uh who was a, a Damian Harris. A, yeah, Damian Harris or Kenny Gainwell <laughs> or something like, you know, you, you think some guy's going to pop and they just don't. Before we get into the ADP ranks for the top 24 drafted, uh, just a reminder for the listeners, all these points and draft position stats are based off full PPR. So if you feel like something's wonky in the rankings or anything like that, it's because we're basing these numbers off full PPR. So just want to make sure I get ahead of that. So there's no confusion here because it does affect where players are drafted um, and especially how they finish too. It's a very good point. If it's a standard league, then like Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, typically are your your RB1s. I think Josh Jacobs finishes his RB1 in standard, even though he had like 50 receptions. But it's a good call out. Very responsible of you. Not everyone plays PPR. Some people are stuck in the Stone Age and play standard. Uh, some people are cowards and won't go all the way and play in a half point. It's okay. It's all right. Bear with us. We're full point guys. Always will be. Full point. Yep. Always will be. Okay, Keegan. Typically, I've been kicking off ADP, but I think it's time for you to shine. You're wearing a beanie. The mustache looks great. <laughs> you got this big smile. You're wearing a communal cowboy hoodie. Even cowgirls get the blues. Keegan, Keegan, show it off. There we go. There. I think we're actually, by the way, this. there's going to be some video component of this. I don't think we're going to need a full episode because my, uh, my geriatric ass couldn't figure out a green screen. But, you know, I digress. Uh, Keegan, why don't you kick off the top 12 running backs in 2022 based on ADP? All right, so we start the list off with Jonathan Taylor, the safe bet for the number one draft pick this year. Drafted the one spot, actually finishes 30th on the year. Oof. Christian McCaffrey, number two, and a lot of people felt like they got lucky getting him at two. You know, great season for Christian McCaffrey, ends up as the second best running back. Austin Eckler, third ranked running back in the season, finishes number one, great season for Eckler. Derrick Henry was the fourth drafted running back this year, finishes at four. Najee Harris was the fifth drafted running back, uh, finishes at 14. We've got Dalvin Cook at six, finishes at 10. Joe Mixon is seven, finishes as 12. Alvin Kamara, eight, finishes as 18. Uh, DeAndre boo. Swift. Yeah, boo. big boo here. I've got another big boo coming here with DeAndre Swift, drafted the ninth running back off the board, finishes the 24th. At the end of the year, Aaron Jones drafted the 10th running back, finishes as eight. And then Saquon Barkley drafted as the 11th. Like you said, this is the cheapest you will ever get Saquon Barkley for several years. Finishes as the fifth best running back in the year. And then Leonard Fournette rounds out the last spot on the 12th running back taken and finishes as the 11th. So pretty decent season for Leonard. And were these finishes at a point per game basis? Uh, so these finishes I'm talking about are just talk uh, total fantasy points on the okay. season were those okay. points I was mentioned. And I know okay. we'll talk a little bit about fantasy points per game and get into some of the better performers on the year, but yeah. those finishes are all based on total fantasy points. Yeah. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. When, when I'm taking a look at that list, Hey, I mean, it's, it's exactly how I felt in the moment. You either wanted one of the top three or four, which was JT, CMC, Eckler, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's a tank. You always think he's going to fall off. Never does. CMC plays a full season. He's ridiculous. 
Jonathan Taylor's never supposed to get hurt. He gets hurt. And then Austin Eckler. Um, we'll talk about Austin Eckler a little bit more in the podcast, but Austin Eckler is supposed to be a prime touchdown candidate regression, and um, he doesn't. He scores 18 touchdowns, and he has a staggering 103 receptions. So Austin Eckler, wow. I mean, he, he cashed. He was somebody that I really wanted going into drafts. I thought he was being undervalued. I think people were overvaluing the Isaiah Spiller draft pick and I don't know I just Guilty. thought Eckler's so talented and yeah I mean obviously uh, A&M I, yeah. like I, I didn't want to take Najee Harris in a draft that I took him but I just felt like I had to like I was big I was too big of a coward with Saquon like I think what this top 12 teaches us if anything is like offenses are key age is important but it's just a crapshoot like Alvin Kamara has been one of the best players in fantasy ever in his career, and he's just completely falling off. Dalvin Cook seems a little bit over the hill. And I don't know, all these studs that got us here seem like it's their time. We're we're taking them out to pasture a little bit. It's time to phase them out to the graveyard. I think Eckler, CMC, and, and Derrick Henry will get to stay for a little bit, but we're going to see a crop of running backs like Hopefully, Brees Hall. Hopefully, Javante Williams. Ho- hopefully, Kenneth Walker, Bijan Robinson. I feel like they're going to come in and replace the Alvin Kamaras, the Joe Mixons, the, mm-hmm. I don't know, Leonard Fournette's of the world. I would be very surprised if Leonard Fournette has another top 12 finish uh, in, in fantasy, considering that Tom Brady's gone. Uh, in terms of the... In terms of the back end of ADP, it's 13 to 24. Here's how things shook out. So Nick Chubb goes 13th overall. He finishes his RB7. Javante Williams goes 14th overall, finishes his 83rd on the season because of his torn ACL. James Conner goes 15th, finishes at 16th. Ezekiel Elliott goes 16th, finishes at 21. David Montgomery goes 17th. I would have not guessed that David Montgomery was 17th. That's crazy. Uh, finishes at 23rd. David Montgomery played pretty well. He's, a, he's an interesting guy for free agency. Uh, Travis Etienne goes 18th, finishes at 17th. Cam Akers goes 19th. Somehow, someway, finishes at 36. Midway through the year, I would have not guessed that he would have done that. Uh, Josh Jacobs goes 20th, finishes 3rd. Elijah Mitchell goes 21st, finishes at 78th. J.K. Dobbins, we tried to warn you folks, goes 22nd, finishes 57th. Brees Hall, 23rd, finishes at 42. Clyde edwards Lair, 24th, finishes at 46. Remember when Clyde was just like RB5 in fantasy for like the first eight weeks of the year? That was Yeah, uh, the first couple of weeks were insane. That's, that's insane. In terms of point per game breakdown, just, just for context... Austin Eckler, number one, McCaffrey, two, Jacobs, three, Henry, four, Barkley, five, Nick Chubb, six, Brees Hall, who finishes at 42nd on the season, is actually seventh, Joe Mixon is eighth, Tony Pollard is ninth, James Conner is 10th, Ramondre Stevenson, 11, Aaron Jones, 12, those are your RB1s, Ramondre, Tony Pollard, Brees Hall, really sneaking in, showing us their value. Afterwards, you got Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Walker, Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, baby. Uh, Jamal Williams had more fantasy points per game than Najee Harris. Uh, you've got Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, and Ezekiel Elliott rounding out uh, rounding out the top 24 there. Look at you, Damian Pierce. You just, you were just, we were just trying so hard out there, man. What a dog. He was, he was a ton of fun until that team just gave up. And then that team just quit. But D- Damian Pierce was a lot of fun to have for like a three, four week stretch there. Mm-hmm. But taking a look at that, the cumulative top 24 in terms of points per game and how it shook out. What stands out to you? Like, I know we have some, some risers here, but I just, I'm not really seeing the trends. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. If you, you know, just go back and look at kind of like where guys were drafted and if they finished as an RB1, RB2, the first you know, 12 guys or like the first, you know, let's see, 15 guys in ADP. A lot of them finished as an RB1 finish, right? Jonathan Taylor kind of gets injured. Weird season for him. Najee Harris finishes an RB2. Alvin Kamara and DeAndre Swift both finishes RB2s. But 
there was a lot of consistency for the guys that you drafted um, in the first 14 picks or 13 picks outside of three guys and one with an injury. So pretty consistent there from like the guys you really wanted to finish as an RB1. But the points per game, you know, just difference in what they're doing versus what wide receivers are doing is really dramatic. I think, you know, you're not getting that consistent points per game production from running backs. So even if they are finishing as RB1 or RB2, despite that, they're not as impactful as as wide receivers are as Jesus. Keegan, get it together <laughs> on a per game basis. Um, and then also the second half, like the 13 through 24 guys, it's it's a real fucking crapshoot. You don't know what you're going to get with them. You don't know how they're going to finish. There wasn't a lot of risers in those guys. Um, and then outside of that, there is value in gold in the middle of the draft and late round running backs. As we, me and you commonly think there always are. I'm somebody who drafts. Zero RB typically, unless somebody falls into my lap like a Derrick Henry. But you can get so much value out of these later guys. Ramondre Stevenson, you're taking Andre. him as a 36 running back, and he's averaging almost 15 points a game, finishes at the ninth best total scoring running back. Uh, Tony Pollard is in that same draft range at 34, finishes seventh. Um, somebody like Jamal Williams, who's just like, obviously he's not going to produce as, as many touchdowns next year as he did last year, but... There's tons of value to be had in later guys. Once you pass the heavy hitters, the surefire ones that you would spend a top 12 pick on or top 15 pick on, you need to be careful about how you value running backs. And if you don't get one of the heavy hitters, just move on, grab some wide receivers, grab an elite quarterback, and wait a little bit for your next running back. I mean, the clear spot you wanted to be in was draft CMC, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, like, Saquon, Nick Chubb, and then you just wait. And then you just pick up a Ramondre, Tony Pollard, Jamal Williams, Miles Sanders. Then Singletary finishes his RB22 on a cumulative basis. Kenneth Walker was a really good play. It was a sharp move because of Rashad Penny's injury history. It was just kind of a hedge. And even though that offense looked like it was going to be dreadful heading into the season, like Kenneth Walker's talent is, is really too hard to avoid year one, year two running backs on the cheap in kind of murky offenses. They are riskier assets and they're more volatile assets in drafts, but I think they're definitely worth picking up, taking a yeah. chance on. If you can, you know, scout, like you said, the, the, there's a lot of young guys who made impacts for their team. The Travis Etienne's, like you said, Kenneth Walker, Damian Pierce, even Tyler Algier was somebody who had an impact. Um, the rookie guys, second year guys that have a discount on them. Because we don't know their history, maybe they're unproven, they're coming in as a clean slate as a rookie. They're safe bets to take towards the end of your drafts um, to kind of get back some value in your running backs, and they'll be super impactful. Um, Damian Pierce and Tyler Algier are right outside of the RB2 like designation. And actually, if you put Tyler Algier's last week of, you know, it's not fantasy, but if you put week 18 into his stats, he actually finishes as an RB2 on the year, eclipses a thousand yards, um, has a higher than double digit points per game total. So, you know, there's a lot of value with the young guys, um, even second options, the people like Tony Pollard, who emerges at the first, um, and then maybe discounts on people who had a bad season, but we know they're really talented. I think of Miles Sanders when I say that, right? Miles Sanders, we know is a talented running back and just had a really bad year. I mean, he wasn't going to have zero touchdowns again, right? And he ends up as a fringe RB1. He's ranked 13 in total points on the end of the season, has a great year, and you got him on a major discount this year. So I think with running backs, trying to find ways you can get discounted players that are either rookies or discounted because of a previous year performance. Like a good example of this next year might be DeAndre Swift. Maybe you're able to get a discount on Swift. or It's not sexy. Maybe you get a discount on Najee Harris. The offense just performs a lot better. You're able to snag... Najee Harris in like the fifth round after you take a high-end running back in the first or second and then you just swing for upside just draft rookies like that that could just be your strategy at running back it's it's not the sexiest it's going to be really hard to shake out and like map out what that looks like because like I said gonna be crazy without this market moves a lot of free agents at running back highly touted draft class it's gonna be really hard to predict for next season but one thing I can predict is if I don't get one of the studs, I am taking a wide receiver and not thinking twice. Like, seriously, you're, you're on the clock here. And 
you have to choose between Joe Mixon and Devontae Smith. Who are you taking? Devonta Smith, right? Easy. I'm trying to think like who who else is gonna be there in the early rounds? I I don't know. Like oh I I mean this one's tough. Like this is a good question. Would you rather take Josh Jacobs or would you rather take AJ Brown? Woof. If I, am I sitting at like the back of the first round and I'm debating yeah. between? Oof. That's tough. I mean I I would probably lean AJ Brown. Um, but I know Josh Jacobs had more points this year, uh, but he's a kind of on a prove it year and he got a lot of work this year, but I still think I'm going to go AJ Brown. And maybe if I'm lucky on the wrap, I can still get Josh Jacobs, but I think I would prioritize that stud wide receiver first, but that's a tricky one. Like I'm, I'm trying to think like, who's going to skyrocket up these boards? Like who realistically is a first round running back last year? Like that's how uninspiring running back was this season. Like, we can pencil in Eckler, CMC, for sure can pencil in JT. Is JT even a first-rounder? Like, uh, Jacobs is like, I think Jacobs is a first-rounder, but some people don't. Some people think Derrick Henry is a first-rounder. Again, I just said at the beginning of the podcast, never doubt King Henry. I have my doubts. I'm a little nervous. He's approaching 30. This offense is suspect. I don't really know how to approach it. Like these guys, like Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, they're really interesting. I think I'd rather have BJ BJ Bijan Robinson over a lot of these guys, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. But it's it's a shit show, dude. It it's yeah. truly a shit show. I think you know we were talking about eyeing discounts on players who had a down year. Like Jonathan Taylor could be a good candidate for a discount, uh, depending. I kind of like what the Colts are doing, like with their staff and some yeah, hires. Right. Like Jonathan Taylor could have you're a good, right. Right. good discount like back year. And if if for some reason Jonathan Taylor sneaks into the second round, and I just got a stud wide receiver, and we know that kind of from our wide receiver episode that the second third round was a little bit of a dead zone for some wide receivers, a lot of big misses. Maybe I would go back to a workhorse guy like Jonathan Taylor who should get his full rollback and might have a bounce back year. Like that's a a discount, but I don't think I would take him in the first round. You know, he had such a bad and weird year. I would probably see if I could wait for him to slide a little bit to me, but it's a little tricky. Like you said, Eckler, McCaffrey, I think Josh Jacobs is worthy of a first round draft pick, uh, depending on how the first couple picks in front of you switch, like kind of go out, but it's really tough. Saquon will probably be back in the first round, especially if he goes back into the giants, which Uh, I think he, I think he will, but yeah, it's, it's tough, dude. It's tough to trust these uh, these assets. I think like trends is really clear. Is like you want one of the studs. You very clearly want one of the guys that's going to be very good. Two, you need to keep an open mind. If somebody has an injury history, who cares? If he's a stud, you have to take that risk. It's just inherent with running backs. Three, starters with volume at a discount are no-brainers. Like, J.K. Dobbins next year could be in that situation. Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs were in this situation last year, regardless if they don't catch the ball or not, and the fantasy community isn't enamored with them. Starter workloads late in rounds, like David Montgomery, it's valuable to have. Now, would I rather have a high-end wide receiver? Of course. But like it's just tough, like in terms of opportunity cost. I think like back end of the draft, taking risks on rookies. I know rookie wide receivers have had a major boom. I think I'd rather take a risk on a rookie running back because I just think the upside's higher. I do. Yeah, the the way I see it with rookie running backs versus rookie wide receivers is I think rookie wide receivers, and this goes for a lot of rookies, but you take into consideration what the fantasy community always talks about is like post-buy week bumps. I feel like that works a lot better for wide receivers, though. It's like running backs, as long as they trust them and get them involved, like can produce. They don't need to wait to the bye week. Like the position's obviously a little bit different, um, but you can – kind of get some consistent production as long as their role is carved out for them, right? You know, and it makes sense. Somebody like Tyler Algier is a waiver pickup who doesn't finish, you know, in a glamorous position. He finishes at the 31st running back in total points, but he's a great late round or like free agent guy you can pick up off your waivers. Just kind of like spotting things like that. And obviously it takes some injuries, but, you know, he has a 34-year-old kick returner ahead of him on the depth chart. You know, there's some signs there that he's probably going to get some workload and run heavy offense. So 
I just think there's a lot more variables that go into running backs, and it's not as easy to spot like late round flyers. You just have to be willing to take a risk. Rookie guys are always a good bet, though. Yep. So again, trends. You want one of the studs. You got to keep an open mind just because somebody has injury issues. You can't predict injuries. You got to keep an open mind on guys that you might think stink because they might have burned you the year before. If they are starters in an offense that could score points, they could have a valuable workload and should be on your team. First-year guys are awesome. Second-year guys pop as well, looking at you, Ramondre Stevenson. And I think there's a value anywhere you go. And I think with running backs, too, more than any position, like that's where the waiver wire, scratcher, lottery ticket comes into play. So it's just like one of these positions you have to keep an open mind. You just do. The Jarek McKinnon and Deontay Foremans of the world. Yeah. You know, like those yeah. guys are not on your draft boards, but they're people that emerge and carve out solid fantasy roles for you later in the season. All right, Keegan, we've we've name dropped a lot of people. You ready to give out some awards? Let's do it. Okay, so I have to get everything prepped because our studio audience need to make sure. Studio audience, are you out there? Can you hear us? Can you hear us? Oh, wait. Can they hear us? Can the studio audience hear us? Oh, my fucking... There they are. Wow, our studio audience. (laughs) Wow, okay, okay. Amazing. Keegan, tell a joke. So a guy walks in to a bank, right? And he says, I need $50. And she says, withdraw. And he said, I need $50. (laughs) You know, get it? Because like withdraw. Dude, I I did not get that one. Okay. That's all right. To to part, what what do you mean withdraw? I I, I really. Like Southern draw, withdraw. Oh, I need $50. Sweet molasses coming out my mouth. Okay. All right, Keegan, we're kicking things off first and foremost with our most important award, and that's for the running back that was the most valuable MVP. I mean, that was that's for our running back that was the MVP. It was the guy that won your leagues, took you to the playoffs. Nothing's better than an RB1, a bona fide workhorse, sitting right there in your lineup. It's the ultimate chess piece. So, Keegan, who is your MVP at running back for 2022? The 2022 fantasy MVP at running back for me is Josh Jacobs. You look at where he was drafted, where he was finished, the impact he had on your season on a per-game basis. Josh Jacobs was everything and more that you could have asked for in a running back this year. Uh, Just a fantastic season. was averaging 20 points a game in your fantasy lineup, only behind Eckler and McCaffrey. And just what a season for him. (laughs) Unreal. You know, from playing in the the Hall of Fame game to – finishing as RB3 on the year. Just an incredible performance. One of the best returns on value in the draft last year and somebody who won you a lot of money in games last year in fantasy. I had zero shares every draft I was in where someone took Josh Jacobs. I said, you guys are idiots. And uh, he came out and was the best running back in football in terms of like pure runner. He was spectacular. And in every phase of the game, first team all pro, one of those rare instances where fantasy production aligns with game tape, aligns with winning impact. Guy was an absolute stud. Continues to get it done, scoring rushing touchdowns. He scored like 50 rushing touchdowns in four seasons. He's just turning 25 years old. I think the Raiders are going to give him a pretty sizable contract for a running back. And I think he's going to continue to be just an absolute workhorse in a Josh McDaniels offense that I know has had histories of feeding multiple running backs, but clearly like Josh McDaniels is good at calling running plays. He's a good run scheme. And Josh Jacobs with his talent is a perfect marriage. And I don't even really know who their quarterback's going to be next year. Doesn't matter. He had the guy who looks like he's always wearing eyeliner and looks like he headlines a Christian rock uh, youth band in Derek Carr. Uh, Carr is going to be crushing it, jumping it down to Brees Hall next season, but Josh Jacobs, come on down. You are Keegan's 2022 running back MVP, Josh. Congratulations. Very prestigious award. You have done an incredible job. Five stars. My MVP on the season is the running back one in PPR, and that is Austin Eckler, who was an absolute bucket, a walking 30 bomb. 
He scored 18 touchdowns, and he had 100 catches. 18 touchdowns and 100 catches. I don't even know how many rushing yards he finished on the season. I, I don't think it was a ton. Was it a ton? I mean, he finishes with 881 rushing yards on the year, but he also finishes with 686 receiving yards on the year on those 103 receptions. The guy was an absolute beast. Listen to this stretch he had from weeks four to week 12. RB1, RB2, RB3, RB1, RB5, RB16, RB8, RB3, RB20, RB4. He had a stretch where he averaged 34, 35, 24, 36, 24. What a Unreal. bucket. What a bucket. And he loves fantasy and he celebrates it. Austin Eckler, you are my 2022 MVP. Come on down, man. Austin actually is here. He's one of the few people that uh, accepted an invite. Uh, thank you, Austin, for supporting such a niche new uh, fantasy uh, podcast. He actually follows the TikTok. He's actually a big, a big reason why we're growing. So Austin, congratulations, man. You, you really did it. I know it's prestigious. It's important. You didn't get the pro bowl, but, uh, you definitely got MVP here running back. The next award Keegan is the running back that we'd let date our hypothetical daughter. So this is a category. If you don't, if you're not familiar with it, listeners where Keegan and I were so happy with our fantasy teams at the beginning of the season that like there were no injuries, there was no existential dread, there was no pain, we weren't burnt out, and it was just like the honeymoon stage of our fantasy teams. Like it was just pure serotonin every time you logged into Sleeper ESPN. And we were so happy with our teams. We just had a list of guys where it's like, you, you could date our daughter. We just love you so much. And we don't have daughters. We're not married, but we were just so happy with these guys. So we thought we'd roll it out as the award, just the running back. You're just welcome any you're welcome over anytime. Sure, you know what? You you and my daughter with the doors closed, but it's okay. You come from a good family. It's it's fine. You're you're part of the family. You're part of the family. So uh Keegan, who is the running back that you'd let date your hypothetical daughter in 2022? I have to go with your 2022 MVP, Austin Eckler. Okay. Not only is he amazing at fantasy, but you brought it up. He cares about fantasy. And I just like, I loved that about him. I hated playing him. You know, having to go up against him in the fantasy championship was pretty annoying because he was on multiple podcasts talking about how hard he was going to go, knowing it was fantasy championship weekend. But that's the kind of guy I like. That, that's the kind of guy I like. You know, cares about his craft, cares about the people around him, the people who've invested in him, like always tries to get them back and do them a solid. Just a nice guy. Overall, good dude and a hell of a football player. What a beast. What a beast. Austin Eckler, you are the running back that Keegan would let date his very hypothetical daughter. Congratulations. Two awards. Wait, good for you. Not many guys take home two awards, unless you're Brandon Cooks, who got the biggest bust and the, uh, I don't like it here. I want to go home award <laughs> for wide receivers. Um, my player that I would let date my hypothetical daughter is Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I know that he cheated on Olivia Culpo at some points. Christian, not chill. You know, come on, man. We got to be a family, man. Uh, but the Christian McCaffrey trade to the 49ers was one of the more emotionally magnificent moments of my adult life. Yeah, this one's uh, very he, personal to you. Yeah, when he had that game where he had the rushing touchdown, receiving touchdown, and the um, and passing touchdown. touchdown, I think I needed to change my pants three or four times. It was just an absolute one for each touchdown masterclass of a performance. And Christian, what you did for the 49ers alone and my mental health and uh, rescuing what would have been a just disaster class of a season because you made guys like Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo look like some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Christian, thank you, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome over anytime. Yep. You can have all the snapples in the fridge. They're expensive. But they're on me. You you could have all my raspberry snapples. There we go. No idea where that came from. I haven't had a snapple in like five years. But raspberry snapples are confirmed dank. Con confirmed dank. Okay, the next award, the $5 Bonafide Big Box Award for Best Draft Value. If you haven't had a Bonafide Big Box, you're missing out. You probably have better heart health than I do. And you are at lesser risk of diabetes than I am. But a $5 Bonafide Big Box has everything you could want, like five, six tenders, biscuits, Cajun fries. It's all you could want for $5. So this is our draft value. So Keegan, who is the running back that was the best draft value? 
in 2022. My pick here for the $5 Bonafide Big Box Award winner is Tony wow. Pollard. You did it. You said I it. I said it. Pretty I clean. Know. You said it pretty clean. It. Okay. Tony P <laughs> is you. your Bonafide Big Box Award winner. It's the BBB, right? No. Yeah. no. BBB. Yeah. <laughs> Big Pollard uh, brand. Okay. Yeah. Tony Pollard. Yeah. Tony Pollard. Easy pick for me. I mean, you got him, you know, towards the end of your draft and obviously outscores Zeke becomes the best running back option in his offense and was just prolific when he touched the ball. So Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard, Pollard. there was a stretch where he was just dominating the NFL. I forget what he was, he was up to. Remember that game against the, the Vikings where he was just like on a one man mission to just take every swing pass 80 yards to the house. He had a week, yeah, he had a stretch where he was RB4, RB8, RB1, RB40, RB2, RB6. So in the back half of the season, this guy had a game's 33.7, 21.8, 36.9, had a rough eight-point outing, 24-22. Beast. 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 But did he snap the ball at the end of a game, at a playoff game? Was he trusted <laughs> to get murdered? He, he was not trusted to snap okay. the ball at the end of a game on a trick play. Um, Tony Pollard is somebody I probably should have thought of for the Bonafide Big Box Award. I think Josh Jacob applies, but got to talk about my guy, Mondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson, who was like a 10th round draft pick. I think if we're looking at his official ADP, he comes in at ADP 36, finishes as a top 10 play. Week in, week out, this guy was an absolute stud, was able to break huge rushing touchdowns, was able to take over games, and his receiving chops were ridiculous. He didn't have like that Austin Eckler profile in terms of 100 catches, but Ramondre Stevenson at one point had like games where he was seeing 8 to 12 targets because Mac Jones somehow has noodle arm as like a 25-year-old. But if we're looking at a couple of games where he had had a stretch where he had 8 targets, 7 targets, 7 targets, 6, 10, 8. It was just soaking up targets in that passing game. And because of it in PPR, he was a beast. I mean, he, he had stretches like five targets a game. Yeah, I mean, on the season, he had it from week six to week thirteen. He was RB. He's here as weekly RB finishes: RB two, RB five, RB ten, RB nine, RB fourteen, RB eight, RB eighteen. Like he had a stretch: twenty, twelve, nineteen, twenty five, twenty three, twenty one. Like you got that in the the tenth round. Like stop it. It was an absolute monster. Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard. Incredible seasons. Come on down. Bonafide Big Box Award winners. Oh, wow. Ramondre is crying. Wow, that is a lot. That, that, you know it means a lot if they're, uh, if they're in tears. Okay, the next award is the Somebody Bonk Me Award for the running back. We're going to be talking about too much next season. I'm going to go first. And he didn't even play a snap. This is... This is similar to the, the wide receiver episode. You're going to choose a, a Jet, and yeah, I'm going yeah. to choose a guy who didn't play in the NFL. Uh, I'm going to go with B. John Robinson. Just go watch B. John Robinson play football. Just go watch his college highlight reel. It is emotionally magnificent. It, it is uh, some really cool stuff. If he were playing in like 2005 or even like 2010, he's a top five pick in the NFL draft. We now play in an NFL where running backs aren't valued as much, so there's a possibility where he's clearly a top 10 talent and doesn't go in the top 10, but Bijan Robinson is a game wrecker in every sense of the word. He's going to be able to hit the home run plays. He's going to be able to dominate in the passing game. He's the most complete running back we've seen in the draft since Saquon Barkley. So somebody mocked me, Bijan Robinson. I'll be talking about him way too much next year. Who's your guy? I'm going back-to-back, like you said, on another Jet player, and it's got to be Brees Hall. It's a tough injury to come back from, understandably, but there's been some outliers, and there's been some people who have recovered really well from these types of knee injuries. Adrian Peterson, Jamal Jamal Charles. We're, we're hoping it's one of those situations and, and not the latter where it does take like a year and a half to get back to his normal self, kind of like Saquon. But I just think Brees Hall, the pace that he was on, Um, He was basically a shoe-in to win the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Had he finished his season, I think it would have been a runaway award. And, you know, how it pans out, lucky for the Jets, we still get the Offensive Rookie of the Year in Garrett Wilson. But 
I mean, Brees Hall was a beast. In eight games this year, he was averaging 16.4 fantasy points per game, had seven runs of 20-plus yards, had a 62-yard rushing touchdown for his longest of the year. The guy is explosive. He's patient. He, like, sees holes the right way and just plays running back so pure. Like, he plays a position so pure. And I'm just, like, so excited to see how his rehab goes and kind of how he impacts the team next year moving forward. I feel optimistic. I don't know why. I've seen the videos of him running, and I follow the Twitter doctors, and they seem pretty optimistic about Brees. It, it might be time to finally zig when other people zag, where the edge was don't draft the guy a year after the torn ACL, draft him the year after, right? But this might be the opportunity to get like Brees Hall well, I say at a discount, like third or fourth round. You can say I mean, discount because know, had he finished his season, we'd be talking about Breeze at exactly number one overall. You number one overall. You would probably. be talking about him in the Maybe. first round easily. So yes, on a discount. It's pretty remarkable to think that Bijan is a better prospect than Brees, considering how good Brees looked. And, and Brees was right. a good it, running back prospect. He had all the good scores, like the prospect profile, like he was very like highly yeah. touted coming out of the draft. But that just goes to show you like what a type of player Bijan is. Bijan, Brees, two guys we will be talking about a lot. Congratulations. Somebody, somebody bonk us. Uh-oh. We're re-clapping. We're re-clapping. Okay. Uh, quickly here. The next award is the Kyle Pitts Award presented by FTX for the biggest fraud slash bust. For me, Najee Harris. He honestly didn't even finish the season poorly. He actually played pretty well down the stretch. It's not his fault he plays with a terrible offensive line. Not his fault that he plays in a bad scheme or that Kenny Pickett's figuring out how to play quarterback. It's on me for drafting him when all the warning signs were there. Don't take Najee. This is a tough situation for him. I don't know. It was opportunity cost. You, you took Najee Harris and basically you could have taken Tyreek Hill. You could have taken CeeDee Lamb. You could have taken Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chase but you're taking Najee Harris. And then because you take Najee Harris in the first, you're like have to take a wide receiver in the second. And if you flip-flop that, you're probably in a better position. Mm -hmm. you, you could be in a situation where you took Devontae Adams and then Saquon Barkley, right, on the app. So opportunity cost, I I'd still believe in Najee. I really like him as a player, but it was pretty rough having him on your team. It was just like an RB2 that you spent all that money on yeah. to be an RB1. It, it was pretty brutal. Um, Who's your guy? My biggest bust for the Kyle Pitts Award presented by FTX is Cam Akers. By FTX. Yes, presented they, by they FTX. They paid for it. They paid for it. Uh, Cam Akers. Their checks, aren't, sure. their checks aren't coming in anymore. They're, yeah, I wonder why. Is, yeah, okay, so Cam Akers. Yeah, I don't really have much to say on Cam Akers other than just like super underwhelming season. Had a really weird season with the Rams in general, just like not playing, kind of like healthy scratch, maybe injured. I don't know. It, it was a really weird situation for him. And I think the way he was drafted as what, like a top 24 running back, number 19 finishes all the way at 36, just like a really underwhelming season for a guy who doesn't look that bad. Like when he's got things going, I don't think Cam Akers is like an awful running back, but just wasn't a great situation for him this year. He's one of those guys where in my head I'm like, nope, won't touch him with a 10-foot pole next year, but we just talked about keeping an open mind. And he might just have starter workload. And you just have to keep an open mind with Cam Akers. Matt LaFleur like, is going to find a way, or Mike LaFleur, sorry, is going to find a way for Cam Akers to get involved. And, you know, he finished the season pretty well, but almost certainly not on the team that drafted him. <laughs> like, that is a guarantee. If you kept him all year, uh, let me see that two win team you had. Okay, our our okay. So no, no clapping for Cam and Najee. Tough, tough, but that's just how it is. The next award that we have here is the I should be drafted number one overall because I stay healthy, unlike CMC and all of the people that wanted to draft me are cowards. Award. So who who's winning that one? It's kind of a mouthful. We don't have a sponsor for that one, but <laughs> who who do you think takes that one home? Uh, Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor, come on down. You are the winner of the I should go number one only because I stay healthy and all the cowards are too afraid to take CMC. Congratulations, Jonathan. Very prestigious award. Uh, yeah, nothing else to say there. Um, 
the Sarah McLaughlin in the Arms of an Angel Award. (laughs) 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 Which is known as the Dead Puppy Song uh, for the guy who got hurt way too early in the season and left us in emotional shambles. Who do you have winning that award, Keegan? Brees Hall. Yeah, definitely Brees Hall. I think I was emotionally drained and or scarred and hurt for two or three weeks. I don't think it I took you a while. Right yeah. It was. It took you a while to recover tough. from it was, that. It, 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 Sean it was, was like honorably holding him on his roster when his season was like long gone, done and over, and Sean was just holding, just like out of pure solidarity for Brees Hall. Get well, Brees. I loved you. Okay. The always was award for the best running back that has always been this good, but people are just now realizing it. That's going to be James Conner for me. I was a resident chief hater in James Conner until I played him, and all he did was shit on my chest all season. (laughs) Uh, This guy was an absolute maniac. James Conner had a stretch coming back from injury. Week 9, he's kind of getting back into the swing of things. From week 10, 23 points, 13 points, 21 points. 23 points, 18 points, 25 points, and 14 points. He was pretty damn solid, dude. And people were able to trade for him midseason because his value was low. And he's just good. Like, I, I, he, he gets it done. He sees, you know, five, six, seven, eight targets in a game. He's on the field always for that team scoring touchdowns. I think James Connors just got a good workload. And I've always been like, he's just good workload. Who cares? But he might just be good. So got to, got to tip the cap to James Conner. Who is your always was award winner? Uh, this one might sound dumb, but it, it's Nick Chubb. And the reason I say that is because we play in a PPR league. A lot of people play in a PPR league. Nick Chubb's value gets dramatically dropped because of that. And every year he finishes as a top 10 running back. You know, basically every year he plays, he's a, a bona fide smash hit at the running back position because he, like Josh Jacobs, is probably the best of the best at his position. I mean, as a pure running back, he is the elite of the elite in terms of runners in the NFL. And he just performs every year and just so consistent on who he is and doesn't do a lot in the passing game, but he's just such a good runner and so good at finding the end zone and has a good role carved out for him. Uh, And I feel like because of the fantasy community and how we think about points and how we earn points with our players, Nick Chubb kind of gets like, oh, he's Nick Chubb. But like he always is good, always has been good, and will probably be continue to be good for the next couple of years as a running back. The only guy that can stop Nick Chubb is Deshaun Watson. The you only- would think Deshaun Watson would never try and get away of a Chubb. Nick Chubb, James Conner, come on down. Come on down, Nick Chubb. James Connor, you were the winners of the Always Was Award. Uh, we got a couple more before we get out of here. Uh, the next award is the Prison Mike Award for a guy that might need to spend a little time in DeClink. Uh, I have Alvin Kamara winning that one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara too. Okay. <laughs> Congratulations, Alvin, for winning the Prison Mike Award. Well well done. Well well done, Alvin Kamara, in his ongoing uh legal battles okay the whopper 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 running back award for the guy that no one will stop talking about ezekiel elliott for being the definition of mid i feel like everyone just always feels the need to talk about ezekiel elliott uh i'm gonna have to go with Bijan for somebody who wasn't even an nfl running back like people talk about Bijan robinson a lot and maybe it's because we're more involved in dynasty now but like Twitter was talking about Bijan and like tanking for Bijan, like basically since week you, you one. Call him, you say like B- Bijan, like you're like <laughs> Dijon, Dijon Robinson, Dijon. Okay, that that's fair. Bijan is it does have some Whopper hype, but he's actually good. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott eats a lot of Whoppers, or uh, does he? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to fat shame Zeke. I'm overweight too, man. It's it's okay. This is this is a safe place. No no fat shaming. Um, the I can't believe I didn't fucking pick up this guy award for the waiver wire hero in 2022. I've got Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, Jarek McKinnon's <laughs> got to be my pick too. I was gonna say maybe Deontay Foreman, but then I went back and just looked at the impact that Jarek McKinnon had Dude. towards the end of the season. It oh my god. I mean he's 
we talked about uh, Zay Jones as the waiver wire hero for wide receivers, and Jarek McKinnon was equally as impactful as a as a late season waiver wire ad. I mean, he won Dude, leagues. Jarek McKinnon was on another level. Like you could have picked him up with Patrick Mahomes, and like like I could have, but I was like, I got Pacheco. I don't I don't need McKinnon. Uh, McKinnon was like CMC. Like it was pretty remarkable. Like what he oh, was. Oh, don't worry. We'll receiver. get a, we'll get into it in my next award here in the final award. I, from from in the fantasy playoffs, this guy RB seventeen, RB one, RB one, RB nineteen, RB seven. Jarek McKinnon. The I can't believe I didn't fucking pick this guy up. Award winner. Congratulations, Jarek, and you won a Super Bowl. It's been a very banner year for you, the waiver wire god. Congratulations, Jarek. Uh, for our next award, and I think this might be our last award. Yep. It is the O'Jim. <laughs> Fuck, I have to do the Tony yep, Romo. You got to do the voice. <laughs> the the O'Jim. This is going to be huge, Jim. Award for best performance, a performance that is so good that it will make you shit and orgasm at the same exact time. Keegan, who is your uh, OGM? This is going to be a huge gym uh, award winner. I've got Jared McKinnon for his two-week performance in week 14 and week 15. I'm just going to read you his receiving stat line from week 14. Seven receptions, nine targets, 112 yards, and two touchdowns. Good for a 30 bomb. Week 15 stat line has 10 attempts on the ground, 52 yards, a touchdown, and he also gets eight targets, eight receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown through the air. Finished with 34.2 points. We're talking week one of playoffs, the next week of playoffs, and he just gives you back-to-back 30 bombs, and you probably picked him up two weeks before. It was by far the best performance, I think, in fantasy for what he did for you at the point of the season and just like who he was as a fantasy asset. This is somebody who was just floating on waivers till week 10. It's it's pretty remarkable what Jarek McKinnon was. He basically was just a slot receiver for for, for Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes threw so many touchdowns to running backs. Think of what he did with Clyde at the beginning of the year and what McKinnon did at the end of the year. I think I saw something like 82% of McKinnon's production came from receiving. And it's probably insane for touchdowns, but who cares? Like If you had him, congratulations. You probably won your league. The performance I'm picking that made me shit in orgasm uh, in concert, in, in in a concert, uh, week 12, the Oakland Raiders go into Seattle and Josh Jacobs gets 33 carries and he turns that into 229 yards, two touchdowns. He also has six catches and 74, receive, 74 receiving yards. Josh Jacobs finishes with 48 fantasy points. And he also has the game winner in overtime. I think it's like 70 plus yards to the house. And that was kind of the exclamation point for Josh Jacobs, which had just been an absolute resounding, incredible MVP type season for Jacobs. And that's the height of it. Like Jacobs was, I think, the best running back in football. And that just that game, just like, wow, what a performance. If you still doubt this guy. Yeah. You still doubt this guy. Get your head out the ass. This guy is legit, really legit, and he won the team. He won that game for them. So it was just really impressive performance from Josh. Josh and Jarek, you are now the first ever running backs to win the old Jim. Jim, this is gonna be huge, Jim. Dude, my Tony Romo is losing steam, but. Not like Josh and Jarek did. They didn't lose steam in their big performances. But Keegan, that's it. That's our running back awards. I think we know less now than we did going into it about running backs. It's, yeah. It's if anything, I'm left with it's more confusing. questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's confounding. It's confusing. We're going to have you on before the end of the week to do a short episode on tight ends. I promise you we are not going to make you listen to an hour of tight end talk. It is not going to happen. Uh, we're going to go over some brief trends. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about tight end. We're going to give some awards. I wonder who's going to win the Kyle Pitts award presented by FTX. I think that, uh, I think we're going to do 30 minutes on Kyle Pitts. I think we're going to save some time. I'm going to, I realized in therapy that my wife and kids left me because of Kyle Pitts. It, yep. it was crazy. I don't know where I made the connection, but, uh, Keegan, before we get out of here, any uh, remaining thoughts? Um, man, can't stop listening to that little Yachty album. It's just so good. 
That is the wow. One you went yachty. You went yachty. Okay. That is my one thought I have to close out this this podcast. Just such a good, awesome album. Good for you, little yachty. Good. Yeah, it was it was a good change up. I enjoyed it. I bought some New Balance shoes, and I think they're pretty cool. I think they're pretty swaggy. I'm pretty okay. happy about my purchase. <laughs> pretty happy. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you made it this far, uh, go touch some grass. Like, please. Like, seriously, go touch some grass. No, if you made it this far, <laughs> rewind and listen again. Please go hug a loved one <laughs> if you if you choose that route. And uh, Keegan, we'll talk to you at the end of the week. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. 